Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Good morning. You may take your seats. Uh, I know all the teenagers are leaving the building. Uh, wow, what an amazing morning together. Thank you on behalf of our Elatus Park congregation for also hosting us and having us during this, uh, this Christmas season. My name is Ratif. You saw my lovely wife earlier. And it's so good to be in the room with our Moiklu family. And then, of course, our Elatus Park family as well. We are having our carols tonight. You are so welcome and so invited for us. It's a massive um, outreach opportunity where we actually reach out to our community God has placed on our radar a, a couple of flats. They're called the Parkal Flats. It's in Boeing Street. And that's literally where we are focusing our attention on. We've had many uh, multiple outreaches in that area. And um, now this evening is a major one for us. I think over 300 people have registered already to be there online, if I'm correct. I don't want to lie. Where's Yvon? Is that the truth? That's the truth. Okay, yes. It's never good to lie when you're a pastor. Okay. Um, now, friends, uh, what an amazing time of the year, eh? Um, um, and uh, I'm going to start off by reading three scriptures to us, um, three different messengers <clears throat> that, that spoke a common denominator over this time. And I want to read these scriptures to us. And if you don't mind, would you stand with me for the reading of God's amazing word? Three scriptures. First the angels, then the prophet Isaiah, and then Jesus himself. Let's just read this together. We'll get to our main text a bit later, but just drink this in and, of course, find the common denominator. Luke 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. The prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And then Jesus himself said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Matthew 5 verse 9. Thank you, Father, that you would bless your words. Speak to us. Speak to me. Even though I'm preaching the word today, speak to my heart. Cut me deeply. And uh, change us, that we don't just get information, but transformation. We pray by the power of your word and the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen and amen. So I love this time of the year. I don't know if you're one of those people like me. Man, you love the songs, you love the extra chocolates, the Christmas puddings, um, the naughty eating, you know, all those things that happen in this time. And it's as if in this time of the year, everybody just gets along. I don't know if you know that. Maybe it's in the perfect world. But especially over the Christmas time, when the Christmas dinner is poured out in front of you or set before you. And everybody that's normally at war, suddenly they just come together. And then we hit January. And all of that is forgotten. And the real world is back. Anybody know that feeling? Okay. Some of you are dreading this time. 
because you have to see those in-laws or those siblings that you actually want to avoid, but we are forced to be together at Christmas. And of course, the common denominator in all these scriptures was the little word, what? Peace. Peace. What is peace? We think about our world currently, and there's not a lot of peace. Uh, worlds and nations at war think of Israel and Palestine, what's happening there. And just the, um, the heartache and, and the hurt that's happening. Ukraine war still waging on. So many other wars internally in Africa, in our country, different people groups, races. Maybe let's bring it closer to home. Maybe there's war in your family currently, in your extended family. Maybe there's war um, in your marriage or marriages around you that you know of. Maybe there's a war inside of you <laughs> that Ruan just said. Do you have peace? If I would ask that question in the deepest part of your soul, do you have peace? Are you at peace or not? You see, if we want to do relationships well, we need to learn how to be good peacemakers. Peacemakers. Why? Because we need to deal with people the whole time. Any parents in the room? Put your hand up. You have the title of parent, but actually your subtitle is peacemaker. I don't know if you know that. We have a lady, I'm not sure if she's here, Sonke in our church. And Sonke at some point just decided she's not going to be a referee in their relationships with their kids anymore. So she started to charge a fee for peacemaking. Now they're just sorting it out all by themselves. <laughs> but we have to peacemake the whole time. We have three little kids running around and we're like, we are tired of fighting your battles. Sort it out. Or lock them in the toilet and then they have to sort it out themselves. If you're a boss of a company, you have to sort out peace the whole time. If you don't sort out peace, you're going to hire and fire and hire and fire the whole time. If you're in a marriage and, um, and you're not a peacemaker, you're either going to end up being divorced or separated emotionally, still living under the same roof. You and I need to know how to be peacemakers because life is all about that. And I know some of you are dreading this holiday because you probably have to be the peacemaker again between parents or siblings or those at war. It's part of life. But Jesus said, blessed, happy, whole are the peacemakers in Matthew 5 because they will be called sons of God. You know, it's the only place in the Bible where the word peacemaker is actually used. Jesus uses this word peacemaker. And another way of translating it is it's a reconciler, bringing people together. Now, in our house, <clears throat> I love the fact that we have kids that look like us, that sometimes do things like us, but the moment they do things, that I don't like about myself, and I see it in them, I say, no, it's Isabella's kids. <laughs> and she does the same with me. No, but the good thing is, this scripture says, if we are peacemakers, people will go like, hey, I know whose kid that is. That's a son of God. That's a daughter of God. It's supposed to reflect something of God's character, because ultimately, he is the amazing ultimate sovereign peacemaker as he came to make peace between us and God. So what is peace? We all know, probably know the Hebrew word is the word shalom. 
in many cultures, they actually greet each other with that word. And it doesn't just mean the absence of conflict or the absence of war, but it's actually a positive word. It's a word that says, I wish on you, I pray over you a wholeness to your soul, a completeness, an ultimate goodness to you when I say peace to you. The Hebrew word is shalom, but the Greek word that's used here is the word irene. It's actually where Irene, you know the area you come from, some of our people stay there, uh, Irene, and that literally means the following. It's a verb that means to join or bind together that which has been separated. So when you actually speak about peace, it's not just the fuzzy feeling that we get over Christmas. It literally has to do with people were not united, they were divided, but suddenly they are one again. So when God says, I send you into this world as peacemakers, you will be called blessed, and people will recognize me and you when you are peacemakers, people were actively bringing people together. So that's why, if I would maybe give a definition to what a peacemaker is, it would probably be the following, someone who's actively seeking to resolve conflict and bring people together, actively seeking it, or a peacemaker is someone who takes responsibility to reconcile broken relationships. Now that's a pretty high calling. <laughs> to take responsibility to see others, not just yourself and someone else, but even stepping in as a mediator, as a peacemaker. But friends, the church has the opportunity in this broken, sick world of ours to shine a light as a beacon in the night to say, we can help bring people together. And I want us to see that today. But can I first ask, before we get this job title, this job description, especially in this Christmas, this time of peace, can I maybe ask, who are you? Are you by nature a peacemaker or what we would call in our house a stirrer? Sometimes we'll turn to Vain and say, stop stirring. Or oh, that's with our eldest kids, or little Elizna, just stop stirring. And you're like, well, I'm not a stirrer. Okay, so what do you post on Facebook or social media? You know these stirrers, people who like to stir, and it's from the comfort of their own cell phone or their own home. Because <laughs> you can post something and just sit back and see the conflict and the war just arise. People are like that, or you may be like that. You're a stirrer by nature, maybe in your family. It's those little things you just say, those little words you just throw in in the conversation. Or are you the peacemaker? Now I'm gonna take us to our main text uh, in Ephesians 2. That's such a powerful passage between two people groups in the Bible called the Jews and the Gentiles. And unless you are born a Jew with Jewish heritage, welcome to the Gentile club. That's all of us, the Haydena, we would say in Afrikaans. Haydena, Gentiles. That's who we are. Unless you are born a Jew by culture, you're part of me in that part of the family. In Ephesians 2, Paul, a Jew, born a Jew, is speaking about what did Jesus come and do between these two groups of people. And the whole book there, 
chapter 1 to 3 is giving us this background, this beautiful background, how God from the beginning had this plan to form one humanity, Jews and Gentiles, in Christ, in Christ. Because of what he did, the two groups can be brought together and they can actually be, 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 be not, not be, be, just be peace, wholeness, togetherness, no more division, complete unity between these groups. So we're going to read from uh, verse 14 of chapter 2. Listen how beautiful this is. For he, that's Jesus, himself is our peace, our Irene, our shalom, who has made the two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh, that's in his body, the law, with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away, the Gentiles, and those who were near, the Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. How amazing is that? Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit, the Trinity at work bringing us together as a new humanity. Now, Jesus was the ultimate example of a peacemaker. And from these uh, couple of verses, I want to practically help us stepping into this holiday time, whether you're going away or staying, where you're going to be with families and those siblings and maybe those in-laws and those people you try to avoid for the rest of the year, but now you're forced because it's family time, it's the family holiday. I want to give you some practical tips for yourself and for myself. As I prepared this, I was like, Lord, am I really a peacemaker in my home, in my marriage, um, in the world around me? Because we need peacemakers. So first, peacemakers have surrendered to the peacemaker <laughs> with a capital letter. That's the first thing. Can I ask you today, have you completely surrendered your life to the peacemaker? Verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Speaking about Jesus, Jesus is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, that's his body, we see one verse later on the cross, the law with its commandments and regulations. Jesus becoming our peace. Now maybe you've heard this phrase where people say things like, I have made peace with God. My brother-in-law, his father, is literally lying now in Bethlehem in a, um, in a hospital and his organs are failing. He's 81 years old and we think it's time for him to pass on. But there's no fear in any of us because this man, Umyop, served Jesus his whole life. He has peace with God. You see, somebody who has peace with God doesn't need to fear what's coming. There's that deep, deep sense of, I'm really okay whether I'm in this life or the next because I do not fear death. I do not fear that my sin will disqualify me because I know Jesus took my sin on the cross. 
You see, you will never have peace with other people and with yourself if you do not have real peace with God. Have you made peace with God? How does this happen? Let's go back to Isaiah 9 that I read earlier. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and he will be called many things. Now, that was a prophecy 400 years before Jesus came. It was all fulfilled in Jesus. He was called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and then this word, the prince of peace. Now, the prince of peace literally means tsar shalom in Hebrew. Tsar, if you think about Caesar, Caesar, it means the ruler, the prince the one in command, if you are in a one-to-one booklet, chapter three, you will have heard the word lordship. He's the Lord of peace. You can never have peace in your life unless you have surrendered to the Lord of peace. Where you have said, Jesus, I'm not Lord of my life anymore, but you become my Lord. You become my Tsar Shalom. Listen to what Romans 5, verse 1 and 2 says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Do you know the Sar Shalom really? Have you surrendered every part of your life through being born again and then walking out your salvation, the sanctification process by submitting every area of your life to his lordship, the Sar Shalom. So firstly, peacemakers have fully surrendered to the peacemaker and continue to surrender through sanctification to the peacemaker. But secondly, peacemakers destroy actively all barriers like Jesus did. Jesus took down the barriers and everything that stood between the Jews and the Gentiles, he took it all away all the customs and all the sin and everything. And ultimately, between us and him, he took away all the barriers. But true peacemakers will actively, intentionally take up responsibility to remove barriers between them and other people and barriers between where they have to go and mediate. Verse 14, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus came and he did that. You see, there's a massive difference now for us to be peacemakers or peacekeepers. You naturally have two of those forces in the world. Somewhere when there's war, you have the peacekeepers that need to now keep the peace so the war doesn't break out. But then you have those who actively have to go in where there is war to go and make peace. And when Jesus is speaking about peacemakers, he's saying, you're the latter group. You have to literally go and in and make peace amongst people. It's not an act or a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's like destroying the enemies of peace. The story is told about a little monk in the year 404. Um, his name was Telemachus. And on 23rd of January, he stepped into Rome after hearing a call of God. He stepped into the Colosseum. Now, you maybe have seen the Colosseum or heard about the Colosseum. That, of course, was where the gladiators for 140 years killed each other in combat before a crowd of people, like being on Loftus, almost the same thing, just didn't die in the rugby game, but they died there, literally. And before they went out, they said, Hail Caesar, we will die for Caesar. That was the, the concept. Now, he was walking there, walking into this, um, in this area, and through the throng, he he, as he visited Rome, was pushed into the Colosseum and he saw these people fighting. 
It was like, this can't be. So this little monk, probably half my size, jumped over the fence or the, the wall into this auditorium where the gladiators were busy killing each other, walked in front of two massive giants of men and said, stop that in the name of Jesus, stop this. The crowd, of course, was freaking out. Woo, more blood to flow. And the gladiator came and with the backside of his spear just stumped him into or, or just pushed him in the stomach and he fell over and the people jeered and yay. He got up again, walked to the same gladiator said, in the name of Jesus, stop this. And then one of the gladiators ran him through with his spear as the crowd cheered and asked for his blood. And this little, non, not able to defend himself, little monk fell down and suddenly silence came. And one man started to leave the Colosseum and then another. And within a couple of minutes, all 80,000 left. And that was the last known gladiator game ever. But one peacemaker stepping into the room and saying, I will sacrifice, I will take responsibility to bring peace, to break down the barriers. You see, there's always a price. What barriers do you need to actively, and me, I need to actively go out and break today? There's a lot of barriers, not just in this room, but in our country and in the world. There's national barriers. Think about Israel and Palestine. Social class barriers that we need to break down actively and especially in our churches to set the example. How can the rich and the poor worship the same Jesus? How can we actively break down those barriers? Ethnicity, skin color. We live in a country where we constantly have to fight racism in our own souls. and We have to work at this, friends. How amazing can the church be a light, a beacon that shines and says, we can be one in Christ. No political party can do that for us. Jesus can do that in us and through us, relationally, in our families. What barriers do we need to go and break down actively as Christians? And then I also love the fact that generationally, there might be barriers that we need to break down I love the fact that we can be together and our kids can be here and our youth and we can love Jesus together. But that's now general barriers. What barriers are there in your life currently, in your marriage, in your siblings' relationships, maybe with your in-laws and your parents? And I'll get practical in a moment's time, but can you see what Jesus did? He actively came to destroy these barriers, to break them down. Now, I'm by nature a bit more of a diplomatic, peacekeeping type of guy. I don't like to pick a fight. <laughs> Some of you are more natural like that. You want to go in, you want to stir. Just make sure that you stir at the, right place, at the right places where you actually want to destroy the barriers. Get your hands dirty, roll up the sleeves, say no, this is not right. We need to get to peace here. We need to get to reconciliation. And I actually have the answer to this. Thirdly, peacemakers then, as we destroy these barriers, we let the two become one. That's what the scripture says. Jesus bringing these two groups together. Now, the moment when you read the words two groups, there is a wonderful little word that we call conflict. <laughs> Anybody know that word? Who likes conflict in the room? Anybody? Just 
You like conflict. Oh, yeah, Brom likes conflict. Okay. Anybody else? No, by nature, we don't like conflict. Some people are more, let's say, um, comfortable with conflict, and others try to avoid it like crazy. Now, let me quickly play a game. If you're married, you're sitting next to your spouse or your friends are sitting next to you, they'll probably know how you do either business or how do you handle conflict. If you look at the screen, um, who are you in that screen? We have a lion, we have a honey badger, we have a shark, we have an impala there at the top, and we have a tortoise. Now, um, maybe you're going to point to the person next to you. The sharks, oh, the smell of blood excites you. And it's quick and it's easy, Okay. All right? That's how you handle conflict. Other people are like the lion. You are, you are slow to be agitated, but boy, if you press the button, all hell breaks loose. Nah, you are furious in battle. The honey badger, you will fight till the end. You will not let go until you fight till the end. The tortoise, you just hide away. You avoid conflict like crazy. And then lastly, the impala, even just the smell of danger, you are ready, alert, and you flee. <laughs> You're away quickly. Um, you can talk about this after church. Just opening up a little can of worms there for you. So with that in mind, we all handle conflict in different ways. There's a great book called Peacemakers, The Peacemaker by Ken Sander. And it talks about how we as the church should be the peacemakers. And it speaks about a slippery slope. You'll see on, this, on the screen there, it's a, it's a slippery slope. Literally on, on, on the peak there, you'll have the peacemakers. But on the left-hand side, if you just slip this side, you'll have the peace fakers. And on the other side, the peace breakers. Where are you? Um, of course, we know now that God says, blessed are the peacemakers. But sometimes I'm a peace faker. I, I admit that. And sometimes I'm a peace breaker. I'm not always a peacemaker. I want to help you and myself that in this time, especially in this season time, but when January hits and all the peaceful songs are gone, how can we continue to be peacemakers in our world? The peace fakers are what? Like the impalas and the tortoises. Either just run away or they just hide away. We call this escape responses. People who are more interested in avoiding a conflict than resolving it. And it's common in the church because many people in the church think that all conflict is wrong and dangerous and needs to be avoided at all costs. That was me for many years. I don't come out of a house where we would say things like where we put the pert on the, or the horse on the table or the elephant in the room. You know that thing? Uh, Isabel comes out of a house where they talk about it. It's on the table. Woo, let's go for it. What? And then we love one another again. No, that's not the truth. I'm just telling the story worse than it is. No healthy, good conflict. We didn't do it like that in our house. Um, and many people avoid. And then normally there are three steps. There's first denial, where you pretend that it doesn't exist. <laughs> There's this, um, this beautiful thing that I saw about, I, I don't know if you saw this maybe on social media, but it's the cat. It's a cat sitting in a, um, in a cot, in a baby's cot. And the cat is sitting there, and it literally freezes because the baby is coming in trying to, to play with the cat. 
and of course, this cat is, is terrified of this baby, and he just sits there. And you can just see the eyes move, trying to avoid the conflict that is bound to happen right now, because the toddler is coming, whoa, whoa, where's my cat? I want to play. And he's just playing dead, just sitting there. And these are these type of people trying to escape, trying to avoid conflict, denying that it's there. Now, you can deny it for a minute or two, but it's going to come back eventually to you. Or the flight, the impala, always alert, ready to flee. Um, this might include leaving a house, ending a friendship, quitting a job, filing for divorce, or leaving a church. Fleeing away. Now, let me just quickly say, sometimes it's good to be safe in abusive relationships where you have to draw the lines and the boundaries to flee out of those situations. And then it's not peace faking, it's just wisdom. So just hear me, I'll just put, put that in as a clause here. But some people constantly flee away, trying to deny, trying to flee. And ultimately, the worst thing that can happen with people that ends in death is people wanna permanently flee and they commit suicide. That's the worst part of peace faking. On the other side, we have the peace breakers, the lions, the sharks, the honey badgers. They have this attack response because they are more interested in winning <laughs> the contest <laughs> and the conflict than preserving the relationship. That is not God honoring at all. That is not what God calls us to do. But they're into attacking because they want to assert their rights, control others, or take advantage. And the worst of that is what we call the quintessential narcissists. Narcissism, where it's all about me, what I can get from the, this never saying sorry, never after reconciliation. Can I ask you, if you're a Christian, you cannot be that. You're not allowed, because that is not reflecting, as sons and daughters of God, the peacemaker God. We're not peace breakers, friends. We're not peace fakers, we're peacemakers. Because ultimately, peace breakers are either going to assault either verbally, emotionally, or physically, or take people to court, or eventually the worst part of the attacking response would be murder. And can you see on this side it ends in death, suicide, that side it ends in death, in murder, and that's never God's heart. But what do peacemakers do? Us. We don't have escape or attack response, we have a gospel grace response. Ken Sander writes in his book, he says, most importantly, the Bible teaches that we should see conflict neither as an inconvenience nor as an occasion for selfish gain, but rather as an opportunity to demonstrate the presence and the power of the gospel. Because where grace abounds, people can be reconciled. Where the gospel is preached, where peace is preached, people can be reconciled together. It's interesting that the fakers and the breakers, peace fakers, peace breakers, are actually self-centered. I wanna avoid the conflict or I wanna assert myself. But true peacemakers follow the example of Jesus who died on the cross. We weed in the side to die to ourselves. Or we step into situations that might be uncomfortable for us, mediating between others. It's not nice. But in that moment, we bring them together and we ask them, would you die to yourself? Would you die to yourself? Forgive, repent, and meet each other in the middle. And that's the gospel, isn't it? The gospel cannot help or cannot work, sorry, cannot work unless there's a dying to self 
Because the gospel, the cross, speaks about Christ dying for us. And now he calls us to come and die to ourselves. Jesus said in John 13, By this all men will know that you are my, dis- my disciples if you love one another. And that type of love is a sacrificial dying love. That's a peacemaking life. love. I know it's risky, friends. I know peacemaking will cost you your ego. Sorry, men, especially for us. It will cost our self-centeredness, our selfishness. So how do we do then peacemaking? Well, the Bible firstly says, if at all possible, try and overlook an offense. Sometimes you don't even have to get to a moment of reconciliation because, because in your heart, you have forgiven them. Listen to what Proverbs 19.11 says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It's forgiving people in your heart even before you have to actually make an issue of that. That's what we as Christians do. In your marriages. And that's the stuff that we have to work through constantly. We had a, a, a marriage um, event that we presented at a different church two weeks ago. We had to speak about this again and just be vulnerable that these moments where don't have that list. We all have a list, okay? Do you know we all have a list? about things you want to change in each other. The question is not if you have a list. The question is what do we do with that list? We take offense. Do we become bitter? Do we use it as a weapon against each other? Might not just be in marriage, but in friendships, at your workplace. What do we do with that list? Can we forgive? Overlook an offense. But secondly, if it's too major or it keeps on reoccurring, then the Bible says be reconciled. Matthew 5, if your brother has something against you, Go and be reconciled. Go and make peace. Have that moment where we sit down together. We say, listen, this offended me or this hurt me. This was wrong. Can we have that moment of repenting and forgiving? Those two things, friends, are the reset button for any godly relationship. Repentance, forgiveness. Forgiveness, repentance. Repentance, forgiveness. Remember when we spoke at that event we recall being in the room with my parents-in-law who are married 50 years, my parents as well. And we asked them the question, so how did you stay married for 50 years? And they said, simple, just choose to forgive. Because you're gonna be in the room with the, same, with the same person that you know you fell in love with, but there are moments you're not gonna like them. Because that's what happens in close relationships. There's moments, we don't, I don't like you. Siblings, I don't like you, but I have to love you. We're in the same family. Choose to forgive. That's what peacemakers do, especially in this season, friends. Let's forgive. Let's choose again and again to forgive. So you first overlook the offense. You be reconciled. And if that doesn't work, then the Bible says, get a mediator in the room, Matthew 18. Take one or two people along with. Sometimes that needs to happen because you're trying to reconcile, but you're missing each other. Or the other person, after this step, says, I don't want to forgive, don't want to have this relationship, and then you have to put up healthy boundaries. And the Bible speaks about that. Then there's healthy boundaries where you actually have to handle them as sinners then. Because we're not on the same page relationally, but you can walk away with peace in your heart, even though the relationship is not restored completely. We always pray for that, but there must be from the other side, also a willingness to repent and forgive.
so that the gospel can work its magic. So, peacemakers have surrendered to the peacemaker. They've destroyed all barriers and they let the two become one on the slippery slope of not faking it, not breaking it, but making it, making peace. We work actively, we take responsibility. And then lastly, peacemakers, preachers, peace. How beautiful is this, verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. You see, the gospel must be preached. It's a message of peace. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says that the ministry of reconciliation has been given to us, aka the ministry of peacemaking has been handed to us. And we have the answer. Not everybody's going to respond, but at least in your life, there must be peace. There must be peace here internally. And you make every effort to live in peace with everybody around you. But listen, they also still have a choice. And then it's not on you anymore. For some of you, it might be a parent. Sorry, got it. Uh, For some of you, it might be a parent. They have done it. They have severed the line after you've tried to bring peace. And my heart goes out to you. But then there must be a healthy boundary. You still pray for them, but you step away from the abusive relationship. It might be an ex. It might be a colleague at work. Then you just pray for them. After you've done all of this, I don't want you to go on a guilt trip and think you have to go again, 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 again. Because sometimes there must be a, a line in the sand that you draw and say, now, me and my family, me and my husband, me and my friends, we've done everything now, but now we're living in peace with God. We still pray that reconciliation is possible. Pray that God will work in their hearts. They will repent and come back. And then we're ready to open up our arms wide open. But do whatever you can. Preach that peace, peace wherever you go. That's why Luke 22 verse 14 started with that. The angels preaching. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I wanna call you to take the initiative this holiday time. Don't wait for others to make the first move. It's always our move. Why? Because that's just who we are. As Christians, we are just peacemakers. As children, sons and daughters of God, we do that. Why would we wanna do that? Well, I just read it. Glory to God in the highest. The glory of God, the honor of Jesus is our highest motive. God, we want to honor you by reconciling. <laughs> yes, we want the relationship to be, to be restored as well. But it's ultimately so that Jesus can be glorified. That is our mission statement across the world for every nation. We exist to honor God. We exist for the glory of God. So ultimately, I want to see relationships restored. I want to have a healthy marriage to my wife with my children. Why? Because I want to honor him and glorify him with my life. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. St. Francis of Assisi wrote this prayer. Make me an instrument of your peace. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. 
where there is despair, hope, where there's darkness, light, and where there's sadness, joy. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Peacemaker. Can we search our own souls as I pray for us? Can I ask you, as you close your eyes, do you firstly have peace with a peacemaker? Have you surrendered your life? Have you completely surrendered your life to the peacemaker? You will never have peace with yourself or others unless you have peace with God. We can sing about peace. We can love the fuzzy-wuzzy feeling of Christmas, but still not have peace. Would you surrender to that Prince of Peace today? Just by yourself saying, Prince of Peace, come and be my Lord and my Savior. I cry out to you, Jesus. But then, would you search your heart and the relationships you're in? Do you have peace? It might not be with someone very close even. It might just be somebody living in your complex. (laughs) And there's this grumpy old man around the corner and you don't have peace with him. Would you maybe go and make peace? Ask forgiveness, say sorry where you need to. Build a relationship. We are peacemakers, that's who we are. But it might be closer to home. It might be a sibling, a family member. Can you commit and say, Jesus, use me in this holiday time to go and be a peacemaker? Maybe you have to go and mediate. Trust God for a miracle. Let's come back in January and share stories of peacemaking that just blew our minds that God did the impossible. Do you think it's possible? I believe it is. (laughs) With God, all things are possible. Can we have faith for that? Just search your heart for a moment. It might be with the person sitting next to you need to go and say sorry and really build towards peace reconcile unity the two becoming one again maybe not divorced but man you've drifted emotionally from each other and it's time to make peace again take that list either talk through it or overlook the offense and just forgive move on let's be peacemakers Follow in the footsteps of the peacemaker, Jesus. And then, Lord, help us to go and preach your peace to all mankind. The glorious message of the gospel of Jesus, where there can be peace between God and man. Peace between God and man. Jesus, you are our peace. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Amen and amen. May you go and do this practically where you know you need to go. It might be a conversation. It might be a phone call. It might be a coffee. But let's actively go and do that. Um, And that concludes today's message. 
For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikloof. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikloof. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.